Okay, Power Rangers, let's do it! Go, go, Power Rangers! <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is a special episode of Live and Let Die Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to go say Sentai Die Ranger. Every week we watch an episode of the show and share our thoughts with you, the listeners. Uh, my name is Matt Jay and with me as always is my brother and co-host Dave. Hey. Hey, how you doing Dave? I'm doing really well. Alright, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you're doing well. I'm glad to be doing well. I mean, I am. Uh, we can move on. Okay. Moving on, we have, as I said, it's a special episode. We have a couple of very special guests with us today. We have Beth J. Hi. Hey, hey, sweetie. How's it going? This is Dave's wife. Also joining us for today's recording is Brian. Hello. And Tom. Hi. Tom, as you may have noticed, is a woman. A real life woman. A real live woman. <laughs> That's not, I mean, there she is. That's not um, I we're calling her Tom because, frankly, it is weirdly uncomfortable for me to do otherwise because that was her nickname when we first knew each other in college. Well, I feel like we should at least... Okay, so in college, there were your roommate was also named... Right. Tom's real name is Megan. Right. And your roommate was also named Megan. Right. And so we called you Tom as an acronym for the other Megan. Correct. Right? Okay. Yeah. What's weird about that, though, is that the the other... The actual... The first Megan, I guess, since you're the other Megan... She's a small person, and so we called her Low, which is an acronym for little one, because she's little. But nobody actually got called Megan. No. So yeah, no one actually no, got to keep their real yeah, name. Yeah, nobody actually ended up as Megan. So we could have just called her Low and you Megan, but you both got nicknames. Well, I think that was really the fairest way to do it. Because college, I guess? I think it just happened... I think that is entirely dependent on the fact that it's college. It's like King Solomon's nicknaming protocols. <laughs> right, right. Okay, so Matt, let's continue. Okay, everyone, shining in the heavens, there are five stars. Brian, what is our first star of the week? Well, Matt, our first star of the week is this very special episode. We are meeting here on the moon with a grand assemblage of... No, no We're not on the moon. No, we, we, we are in Moon Township. I did not actually realize that you were making a joke about that. I thought you were just making like a silly moon joke. I completely forgot that we're in Moon Township. I, I, I mean, congratulations. <laughs> so we're not on Earth's moon, but we are in Pennsylvania's moon. It's pretty great here. Uh, it's an assemblage of old college friends. We've been together for years and years, and it's pretty great. Okay, um, following up with that, Beth, what is our second star of the week? Matt, our second star of the week is the new season premiere of Doctor Who, which came out last weekend. The new Doctor, Peter Capaldi, totally blew my mind. Couldn't even handle it. Went to see it in the movie theater. It was absolutely worth the gouged special event price. I highly recommend watching it if you haven't seen it. It was fantastic. It was totally fantastic. Yeah, no, it was, it was really a killer. I was a little... I wouldn't say – I was about to say apprehensive, and that's the wrong word. I think that it's just – anytime there's a new doctor, there's always that There's always that moment. weird moment of trepidation. Yeah, where you, you know it'll be good, but you're just – like there's that one spot where you're like, is it actually – is it going to still be good? Like what if this is the one time that it isn't good? Right, like what if this is the guy who is just – like somehow, somehow some horrible mistake has been made – uh, would that be like the Doctor Who movie? No, no, no. He was a fantastic doctor. Oh, he was the a fantastic was doctor. Awful. The movie was awful. Yeah, like something it. very much like that. Like, did somehow Peter Capaldi was the absolute wrong choice? And, I, and it wasn't. He was crazy good. I actually, Dave, this you may find this crazy and difficult to believe, I had no doubts. Um, I was completely confident in Peter Capaldi from moment one. And it, which was actually very strange. It's the first time that's ever happened to me watching a regeneration. Oh, no kidding. But as soon as Capaldi's face was on the screen, I was on board. Nice. And he looks slick. Like, he looks really good. Just like his costume. Like, his costume is super cool. Oh, yeah. He's got a great outfit. I, by the way, I looked up how much one of those coats cost. Oh, yeah. So did I. It's prohibitive is the answer. Yeah. Well, dude, you got, he, he's got Time Lord money. That's old money. <laughs> that's the <laughs> oldest the oldest money. So that was star number two. Moving on. 
Tom, what is the third star of the week? Star number three is the most terrifying game I've ever played. Um, last night we played a rousing round of The Extraordinary Adventures of Baron von Munchausen. It's basically a game where you sit around and, and tell lies on the fly and other people judge you for those lies. And it helps if you're a little bit drunk, so I hear. And uh, it's terrifying and awesome and exhilarating. It and, does help. <laughs> and it was, it was a lot of fun. And I love that we can get together and play it. And if you are a storyteller and you like to tell lies and tell stories and make up crazy characters and make your friends do the same, I recommend that you try it out. The rules are available online is that right i think they are they are the rules are available online. you should totally you check it out it's a fantastic the internet. Game. they're available somewhere right okay so the fourth star of the week dave fourth star this week it just came out well it would have come out a couple of weeks ago now fifth yeah, edition not to, uh, not to sort of let you peek behind the curtain too much we do some of these in advance so it is labor day weekend now as we record it oh yeah so but anyways a few weeks ago fifth edition dungeons and dragons came out Surprise, everybody. We play a lot of Dungeons and Dragons. Um, but it's amazing. It's amazing. We had actually walked away from, fourth, from Dungeons and Dragons after 4th edition because it was such kind of a debacle. Like, it was, it was just fine. It was fine. You know In what it was? Is that it just. boring sort of way? Yeah, it just didn't feel like Dungeons and Dragons. But 5th edition is, is the hotness. Like, it's killer. I had actually. I was actually sort of getting bored with, like, high fantasy style. RPGs for a while just because they were so done, you know what I mean? But 5th edition is so good. It's so good. It's really sort of reinvigorated. It's really, it's a, it is a breath of fresh air. Yeah, it's, um, I it's mean, just really good. Yeah, it's, it's really fantastic. I mean, unlike the breath weapon that you can be as a dragonborn, that's yeah. not fresh air. That is a poison cloud. <laughs> yeah, or it's an a, ice, or like an ice oh, ray so or good. something. Guys, the, dra- the dragonborn are back. They're the best part of 4th edition. Yeah, they, you're a dragon. You can be a, dra- you can be a dragon in a dungeon. If, it's the two best things about Dungeons & Dragons. If I remember everything about playing 3rd edition, dragonborn was the only thing about 3rd edition that either of you played. Half dragons. Allow me to uh, allow me. Oh, half dragons. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say, allow me to push my glasses up with my forefinger here. Dra- Dragonborn were not in third edition. Ha- half dragons, but half dragons I, yeah. totally were. It was like a three level hit to be a fighter. It was like a plus eight strength, plus wings and natural armor and claws or something. It was insane. It was absolutely overpowered. They never should have allowed it in. Uh, well, but, but I digress. Say that about half of third edition. Yeah, but I digress pretty heavily. Okay. Okay. So the fifth star of the week is that I just came from Sheets, right? You don't know what Sheets is. Um, it's a gas station in mostly Pennsylvania, but they're getting a little further south. Oh, they're actually, in Ohio. It was actually started near my hometown, so I have a little bit of Sheets pride. But they sell fantastic food. They have Their big thing is hot dogs, but they also have some interesting food combinations. So you can get like a, a sub sandwich there. It's basically like, it's like a subway in a gas station, sort of, to some extent. Yeah, yeah. but better. But they have these touch screens where you put in your order. And in between pages on the touchscreen, it will give you a few advertisements, some options. You know, do you want to supersize that? That sort of thing. Well, I was buying a meatball sub sandwich, and it came up with this page that said, in in way of suggesting a topping for this sandwich, that French fries are the new lettuce, <laughs> and that I should put it on my sandwich. Did you? No, I did not. I feel like you missed an opportunity there. Now, here's the thing. I, I know we're in Pennsylvania. I know this is the home of putting French fries on sandwiches. I was going to say, I just had a sandwich and from French Manny fr- Brothers. On everything. And there were Salads, French fries. Right? French oh, fries yeah. on a salad? Yes. yes. Dude, I was, that was a revelation when I came to Pennsylvania for college from Ohio. They were like, just put some French fries on your salad. I was like, what is this madness? And then I ate it. And I'm really sad that people in Ohio don't do but it. here's the thing. Lettuce is not the only thing that people put on sandwiches. Like, you don't need to replace the lettuce with the french fries. You could say, like, french fries are the new... Tomatoes? Tomatoes. Or, you know, or you diced could... up onions. Or french fries are the new thing to put on a sandwich. I was going to say, you, you don't leave need to all those things. lettuce. Lettuce is fine. Keep the lettuce. Have you had lettuce? Yes, <laughs> I have. I'm not from Pennsylvania. <laughs> well, you know... Also, fries was absolutely spelled with a Z. Well, it's sheets. That's a thing that they do. Well, you know, we Sorry, already Sheets put, is spelled with a Z on the end. We already put fries on salads here. So 
if we're saying that fries are the new lettuce, are we doing like a double down? Is it like a fry fry salad? Right. Yeah, yeah, there's no lettuce anymore. Salad? You're just putting fries on your fries. That's just a bowl of French fries. You with can salad just buy dressing. That. No, no, no. Sal- ranch dressing. With ranch yeah, dressing. Exactly. Yeah. Ranch dressing, French fries, more fries. Okay. More Here's the new dressing. plan. Big plate of fries just with all of like the, like all the salad stuff that you put on salad so that it's good. Like tomatoes and like bacon and egg and stuff. Just a big plate of fries with that chunk on it. Smothered in ranch dressing. Nachos. America. So, so American poutine? Yes. Why don't we have poutine in America? We're getting there. We ought to. It's like the best thing to ever come out of Canada, except for Northrop Fry. What? what? High five for Northrop Fry. Guys, just look up Northrop Fry. I'm not going to bother going into it. Actually, don't bother looking up Northrop Fry. Totally look up Northrop Fry. you don't already know who Northrop Fry is, you do not care who Northrop Fry is. But you should totally look him up. He's amazing. But... Again, I digress. So, moving on. Uh, those are our five stars of the week. We are going to take a quick break, and we're going to watch the episode. Now, this episode is not a standard episode of Gosei Sentai Die Ranger. This is the movie. And now, it's as long as a regular episode. Um, I, and it is not, in any way that I can tell, functionally different from a regular episode. Except that it was played as part of like a TV special, along with a Common Rider TV special. And so it is like a out-of-sequence thing. We're going to watch it. And the thing that I'm excited about, and I mentioned it on last week's episode, is that I've never seen this. It's the only Die Ranger I've never seen, and I'm really psyched to go do it. So let's take a quick break, and uh, we will be back to review Gosei Sentai Die Ranger, the movie. <laughs> okay, welcome back. Uh, we have just finished watching the movie, and okay, guys. Let's talk about this. Um, first, Dave, do you want to get us with the quick synopsis? Yeah, certainly. So, long story short, they are fighting a playing card-oriented monster, and he is capturing children and turning them into cards. We're not totally sure for what purpose, but he is doing that. And then they fight him, and then they fight, I'm just going to say, some surprise enemies at the very end, as well as the... Du- Duke Trump is what his name is, right? Yeah, it's Duke Trump. Okay. So some surprise enemies along with Duke Trump. And we see the Goma pull off a very cool special attack. So that's that's pretty much everything you need to know about the episode. Okay. So as we start off, there are a few children walking out of school. And they're trying to decide who has to carry everyone's backpacks. And they play rock, paper, scissors for it, right? Now, the loser... Because, they, by the way, they all go at once... They all throw in their fists to the middle. Uh, and I don't know how that's a functioning rock, paper, scissors game. But I don't know. I guess they have uh, weird rules. Or maybe children just don't understand rock, paper, scissors. Well, rock, paper, scissors is actually a really big thing in Japan. I'm given to understand. In fact, a few years ago, I read an article about a couple of European businesses that were all pitching contracts to a Japanese company. And the company came back and said, all right, so you guys are all going to be rock, paper, scissors for our contract. So we want you to write back to us and let us know, are you rock, paper, or scissors? And two of these three companies basically blew it off and did not respond. Or they responded, but they didn't really think about it. But one company did some research, and it turns out that there's a whole thing in Japan about, like, what each thing represents, what it says about you. And and so they really they did a whole bunch of research, and they chose very carefully and won the contract as a result, actually. Okay, so... Okay, that is really weird. Yeah, that's really... I'm not like... I was about to respond to it, and I realized I just had nothing. Like, I don't even... I have no I don't even framework. have any sort of, like, framework to process right. businessmen being very into rock, paper, scissors. I actually... Do- uh, in, in, in the episode, when they are... Sh- they're doing rock, paper, scissors to get this, you know, to f- figure out who's going to be carrying these uh, backpacks, and this poor nerdy fat kid loses super hard the other kids are like oh yeah like he always throws rock and i found myself really wondering like what does that mean like what is like that- is that itself some joke yeah that, like, like this if kid you're always, always throws rock, rock like is, is does that just mean you're dumb 
Are you dumb if you throw rock? Just maybe. a real rock head? I don't know. <laughs> well, you're certainly dumb if you throw it every single time. You know, maybe that explains how they can play three-person rock, paper, scissors. It's about who loses. He's always going to throw rock. They'll always throw paper because the guy's a dunce. Okay. Well, there we go. Uh, okay. So they throw rock, paper, scissors. This kid's carrying the backpacks. They walk up, and we see what does turn out to be our monster, the Duke Trump. He's in human form. Oh, I don't know if you know this, guys. You maybe saw the Goma monsters like shapeshifting. All Goma monsters can shapeshift. They all have, yeah, they all have a human form and a monster form. Yeah, I did not know this, mainly because now might be a good time to mention. I have never even seen regular Power Rangers before. There's, like American Power yeah, Rangers. Yeah, no familiarity really, with it. never once. Never once. Wow. I've never seen an episode. I, I don't even know how you would have avoided I it. I was not allowed to. It was a rule. Well, I wasn't allowed to watch Gargoyles, but let me tell you, I love Gargoyles. <laughs> Dude, that show is so good. You can That show's online now. You can just watch it, like officially watch it. Is it really? Yeah, without stealing it. Okay, but I, I'm interested in doing that almost immediately, <laughs> but we have to finish doing this, and I want to hear about why you never watched Power Rangers. That's really all there was to it. I'm pretty sure that my mom just saw it at some point and thought it was super lame. She, she so did not even, like, wicked, just lame? Oh, no. My mom, several times, just forbade us to watch shows that she thought were stupid. That's mom's privilege. I've got two kids, and there are some shows that they will never watch because they are really, really dumb. And then it's, it's funny because as a kid, of course, I assumed that there was some deeper reason. Like, oh, maybe something happens in this show or it's really scary. And as an adult, I have asked my mom about several shows because I've seen them and I've, I've had, you know, peers like you guys who have been really surprised that I didn't see certain things. And usually she's been like either, oh, did I say you couldn't watch that? Or she's just been like, yeah, it just, I, like, I never actually watched it myself, but it just looked really lame. So... You know, I could understand not letting you watch Power Rangers because of the violence and stuff, like American Power Rangers, but if, if I were a mom and my kids wanted to watch this show, they would not be allowed to for so many reasons. Like, oh, I, no, this show is terrifying. The language. Show is legitimately terrifying. The language was startling to me. Like, this is a kid's show. Uh, I actually did a count. I'm fairly certain you was used more often than episode of 24. Wow. <laughs> okay, so we see the Duke Trump and he is shuffling cards, and he's like, hey, kids, do you want to see some card tricks? They're like, yes, we do. This is great. That's never the right answer. If right. a creepy the, guy says, do you want to see, you say yeah, no. Yeah, if an absolute stranger in like a strange costume and a wig just says, hey, do you want to see card tricks? <laughs> no, I don't at all. But they say yes, because they're idiots. And so he shows them the card trick, and then I don't remember exactly how he does it, but he throws a card like on their forehead, and it imprints something it imprints like the image of the card on their forehead and they like pass out backwards and then he walks over and this is where things get real dark okay. super fast so he was initially an unsettling guy in a weird costume <laughs> that you should not i think unsettling to approach children is very generous um, but at this point if you hadn't already realized who is the monster of the week uh it becomes very clear he doesn't transform but when he takes the cards off the foreheads, as Dave said, there are like hard imprints on the forehead, and there are like, you know, eight of diamonds, whatever, whatever. And he says, Aha, hearts, the color of blood. Spades are for the devil. Diamonds mean fear, and clubs are for despair. <laughs> and it's just like, what is going on? Like, I was really, I was expecting just like a card monster and he's going to do some things. And it just got really, like, really, exi like, existentially scary, I think is the weird thing. And then he just ghosts. He just leaves. He doesn't, yeah. like, take the kids with him. He's like, aha, I got you. See ya. I, I, I actually have a question. Go ahead, yeah. And this is the first time I've seen this show. Is Every plot about murdering children? Uh, most yes. of them, yeah. Most of the plots yeah, are about all, murdering children. It's all about murdering children. Because well, it's a kid's show, and so the, the stakes <laughs> are always about, like, 
kids getting into trouble and the Die Ranger saving them. You yeah. know, things that could happen on a normal everyday life. Just You're playing a, yeah. in the street, you get turned right. into a card monster. It happens. One of the previous episodes was a dude who, uh, it was the key monster, and if you if you recall the other episodes, he stole the souls of children and used them to power dolls that he then used to attack the city of Tokyo. I'm going to have nightmares now. Yeah, they're all like that. It's tremendous. <laughs> So, but yeah, the dude just leaves. Like, he's out. He does not take the kids with him. And then the next time we see the kids, I'm jumping ahead briefly and then we can pop back. The next time we see the kid, at least one of them, he's just like rolling around with his sister, who has not said anything about the fact that he just has like an eight of diamonds stamped on his forehead now. Okay, so the next thing we see is in the Die Ranger headquarters. Uh, the kids aren't there, the Die Rangers are there, and they are just now finding out that all over town, kids are being attacked by this card monster and having weird things put on their foreheads. Yeah, what I wanted to know is they come in and they're waving these pictures of the kids. Who took the pictures? Did the rangers take the pictures and say, okay, stay right there. We have to go check this out. We'll be right back. Or were they just passing out pictures? No, because these are not candids. This is not like somebody had a photo and was just like, oh, there's one. And like stamps a picture. Because they're all like standing there, like looking straight yeah, into the like camera. Yeah, they're like posed. Like yeah. they took them to JCPenney for studio pictures. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, almost immediately after this, they're in, like, downtown Tokyo, and there's, you know, like, a Times Square-style scene, giant screen in the middle of town, and this terrifying amalgamations of all of my childhood fears is dancing around on this screen, being a card monster, like, I don't, but just there, and nobody is reacting. Yeah. Well, there aren't that many people around. But we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. Okay. So we're in Ranger headquarters. And Kaku, who is their boss, who is like the dude with the headband and the goatee, he was only in this episode for like a minute. He tells them to go investigate. They run out. And that is when they see the uh, the giant screen. Again, there's not a lot of people around to get in the way. There's almost never anyone in Tokyo in this show. This is another thing about Die Ranger. You see all of like maybe a dozen people any episode it's only, the only people you ever see are like the rangers and children who are being attacked so we then see the duke trump trump duke trump yeah duke trump so we see duke trump and he jumps up on top of a building i think is what it is and then he does like a crazy summoning thing and like lightning shoots out of a card all over tokyo and then all the kids i guess that he had previously like attacked get a lightning bolt to the forehead, and zombie. Like, they just turn around and start wandering somewhere. And this is how we know that he just let them go. Like, he hadn't collected them previously. They're just hanging out. And nobody is really concerned or noticing the fact that they have this stamp on their forehead. Which you would think somebody would notice, but they don't. Not least because, and this is the first time that I discovered this in the course of the show, because so far we've only seen three kids, and all of a sudden they're now, it seems like hundreds of zombie children just shuffling through the street. Oh yeah, Duke Trump has been busy. Well, I think this is the thing. The Rangers just seem to be hugely inefficient. Because with the same, with the, when he was capturing souls for the dolls, right, when the key monster was, we only saw him do two or three. And then when the dolls started attacking... There are like dozens and dozens and dozens of these dolls, all of which are powered by the soul of an innocent child. So <laughs> I think it just maybe takes the rangers a while to catch on. Like he, they just don't notice when children are disappearing. I mean, Tokyo is a big city, I guess. But yeah, you I mean, would think they would be. It's not like they could just see what's trending on Twitter. Right. I just I feel like you would if you were the rangers, you would be paying a little bit more attention to anything weird about children. <laughs> but so, okay, so all these kids like zombie up, they like walk up the building, the rangers follow the kids, they bring one of the kids, like the victim kids, they bring the daughter, her, not daughter, uh, his sister. They bring this dude's sister with them, which is another really bad habit the rangers have. Well, I, I actually have a thought about that, and that... They've only sent three rangers to deal with this threat. So, you know, she's kind of like fourth junior ranger cannon fodder, I guess. No, they do. Like, they're always bringing... They're like, we're about to go fight this monster that has your brother. You should probably come along. And we're not going to bother calling the other two. I'm sure they're busy somewhere else in town. Which, it's a consistent thing. 
like more often than not, the first fight they have with a monster is just one or two of the rangers. Well, I I I actually got the impression that that little girl was just super persistent and was refusing to go away. Uh, she definitely demonstrated that quality throughout the rest of the show. And they seemed sort of irritated that she was there, but like they couldn't really figure out how to make her leave. Just call her parents. Or I mean, you have you have literal superpowers. You could make her leave if you wanted to. <laughs> then right. you're only fighting with two rangers. <laughs> right. No, man. Daigo's got like, uh, he has like illusion powers. He could like send her away. They could do any number of things. Clearly, they just don't care about this child's safety. So they get up to the building. And, again, man, this dude, Duke Trump, just keeps doubling down on, like, the weirdness and creepiness that he is putting out. So here's what happens. They all get up to what appears to be a dance studio, and he wants to play a card game. But to do that, first he needs playing cards. And so what he does is he transforms all of the children into, like, weird walking playing card people. Like, they put on the costumes from Alice in Wonderland, and they're just these bizarre, hybridized, children-playing-card creatures. Right. So he starts playing card. Like, he's playing concentration with them. Which he does by having them run around in circles and then lie down on their stomach and having to guess what they were. Actually, I thought that was kind of cool. He's like, shuffle, shuffle, and they had to run around really fast. That's like his one card-related thing he did that I thought, okay, that's actually... Kind of fun. One, one thing to say about Duke Trump is that Duke Trump seems to legitimately love card games. Like, yeah. I'm sure that he's supposed to be out somewhere terrorizing the city. But he's like, listen, I, I, I gotta play a game of concentration first. Right, well, until he misses one. Yeah, this is what I was about to say. Yeah, and decides that he is going to, like, I don't even know. Like, he, he starts, like, jumping up and down on this kid, except it, like... I, I don't even know exactly how I want to describe this. He's like, like... <sighs> he actually starts choking him. Yes. Yes, he does that too. Yeah. He's like sitting on this kid's chest, choking, like straight up, both hands, choking out this child card because he missed it. And he's like, it's all your fault, as though the kid somehow had done something. So at this point, and only at this point, when a child is literally having the life choked out of him, that the rangers decide to intervene. Oh, no. It's because the kid who is being choked is the same fat, hapless nerd whose little sister has been tagging along and runs in to rescue him against the wishes of the rangers, who, again, seem really annoyed that she won't listen. Okay, so the die rangers run in after this little girl, and they go and do their aura change, right? No, no, no. They don't yet. They oh. don't do the aura change oh, yet. Oh, you're right. There's a key part that I'm missing. Right. They just jump in, and Duke Trump is like, who are you? And Shoji just says, they're not aura change. They're just in their civvies. And by the way, civvies, in this case, for Shoji, is a pair of overalls and like a weird stripy shirt. They just... were all very snazzy. I really liked their outfits. Yeah. Uh, well, one of them, the Yellow Ranger, he's a hairdresser, so he's always dressed very well. Is he the one with the really good hair? Yeah, he's Maybe. the one with the really good hair in the suit. And the really boxy suit. Yeah, I, I was wondering why uh, in the in the original opening, it looked like everyone was biking to a normal place, and it looked like he was biking to the head of a Fortune 500 company. <laughs> yeah, he is just he is easily the fanciest ranger. I don't remember who it was, but someone pointed out that the Red Ranger is wearing almost the exact same thing that the Red Ranger in the American Power Rangers wears, which which I kind of liked. It made me feel at home. So they jump out, and Shoji just says, we're the Die Rangers. And then they aura change. And now here's something that I want to mention. The little girl's right there, right? She's been hanging out with these three guys. They're following. They seem to at least kind of want to help. And then they run out from behind uh, their hiding place and transform into famous superheroes. <laughs> And at no point does she say, oh, hey, it's you guys. Like, she either seems to already know or just not care. No, this little girl is totally stone-faced. I mean, she is, she's seen her brother turn into a zombie, right? She has followed him only to discover that he has been turned into a playing card and that she is hanging out with the Die Rangers and just never a reaction, ever, ever. 
Yeah, I think the only thing she ever says is Oni-chan, and she just yells that over and over and over again. Well, she was a really little girl, so I'm going to go ahead and assume that that is all they could reliably get, like a four-year-old to, to say. Okay, that's fair enough. So then they do aura change. You know, wait, maybe this is why Shoji is so concerned about like not having bad news attached to the Dime Rangers, because as far as he's concerned, there is no secret identity. Like, it's just, Shoji's the Die Ranger, everybody knows it, he's out there. Shoji is such an awful person, he probably uses it as, like, a pickup line. Okay, I, I, I'm gonna be honest, I know, we, I know we talk poorly about Shoji here on the show a lot. Because he's the worst. But I'm gonna be really honest with you right now, Shoji, I think, is my favorite character on this show. Really? Well, he can still be your favorite. Shoji is a blast. <laughs> Wait until we get to some, like, Shoji-centric episodes. Um... He has some moments, dude. Shoji is just a bundle of fun. Okay. I mean, he can still be your favorite character, even if he's a terrible this person. There's going to be a motorcycle race, and you are going to love it. I'm not surprised at all that Shoji's involved in a motorcycle race. So they've aura changed, and the fight has begun. Fight, I'm using loosely right now, because they just go in, knock the guy out the window, and jump after him. The rescuing the children part of this operation is left in the hands of the four-year-old. Yeah, the kids are just hanging out by themselves. Rangers are fighting Duke Trump. She's totally on the ball, though. I mean, I got to hand it to her. I am pretty sure that the four-year-old little sister is my favorite character on this show. Hey, listen, Shoji knows how to delegate. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) So, all right. So, fight, fight, fight. You know, like they're beating the sound out of Duke Trump because there's three of them. There's only one of him and they're fighting. At the end, though, he does, he pulls out, like, an ace of spades, and he throws it on the ground, and it, like, starts sliding, and then he runs and jumps on it, and when he jumps on it, it turns giant, and he says it's his ace of spades skateboard. Skateboard Trump. Skateboard Trump. Thank you. There's no wheels. It's just sliding. In case you forgot that this show was aired in 1993. Right. So, so skateboard Trump. And then, he, it's another ace of spades, I think. He, like... He throws it at the rangers, and it, like, wraps over them. And for for zero explanation, it just, it teleports them to, like... Florida. Fun island? Florida. Okay, it looks like Florida. It makes no sense whatsoever. There are pink flamingos running around. Stock footage. park somewhere. This park, actually, and I've seen this park before. It was in an episode of Ranger. Where they had to go find a treasure chest full of dinosaur eggs. Yeah, so they are on Namagawa Island, which I guess is a really popular resort destination. Okay, so this, I guess, is where the Duke Trump likes to fight, is in Florida on Namagawa Island. Yeah, maybe. Also, totally takes the wind out of the sails of that fight. I mean, one minute, they are just all over the place fighting this dude who is skateboarding on playing cards. And the next minute, it's a bunch of flamingos. And the the rangers are just literally standing there looking around because they have no idea what's going on. And there's like oldie-timey carnival music and everything is very weird. Just really, really strange. I... I I actually noticed that at this point, it seems all of the powers of the villain suddenly go from card-based to Mad Hatter-based. I mean, the other thing was Mad Hatter-based before, but teleportation is somehow in here now. Yeah, it all becomes like a weird like stage magician motif at this point. Because what he does is he has a silk top hat that he throws at the three rangers, and it turns... So the opening of the hat faces them, and then the rangers shrink, like, to the size of, um, like, a small action figure, I guess? Well, enough that you can fit all three of them in a hat. They shrink small enough that you can fit three of them comfortably into a silk top hat. Yeah. And And then the hat flies away into the air. No, no, no. He uses a uh, Duke Trump, like... Like, blows it away with a giant playing card, which is itself a special technique. I, there, there was one thing I did want to clarify, because right before that happens, we, we seem to get, like, biker villains from Mars or something. Oh, yeah, those are the Goma Commanders. That is um, Shadam and Zydos and Gara, And they are the leaders of the bad guys. 
They're basically your like Rita Repulsa, Goldar sort of trio. They looked a lot more serious than Rita ever looked. Well, Rita wasn't wearing like creepy bondage gear, so. <laughs> so the thing that I am still lost on is we still have no idea what the point of any of this is. Like, there's never, even now, normally what happens is that the Goma commanders show up and are like, hey, listen, you need to use your evil Goma powers to, like, terrorize children or, like, spread fear and destruction. And hellish pain sometimes. Right. And, but this time, they just show up and say, like, deal with this. And then they leave. <laughs> there's nothing. Like, there's no direction for Duke Trump. He is just hanging out. Well, he does later mention that the plan all along has been to kill the children. Guys, Duke Trump is not a good dude. Um, And I think that's becoming more and more apparent as this episode continues. Uh, So he blows away the three Die Rangers in the hat, just off of the island somewhere. Oh, they're just like flying around. Yeah. Uh, The hat lands in the middle of the street mm-hmm. um, with cars whizzing by it and we will meet back up with that hat in a minute but first the scene cuts to Rin and Ryu right yes what have they been doing all of this time probably getting tea there's this one diner they really like to go to that is not a joke they're probably up getting most tea. episodes yeah it's like a thing that they do and they always split off we I theorize we theorize that there is like a budding romance between these two characters because anytime the like Rangers split up it's always Ryu and Rin and then like the other three in some combination couldn't they schedule their dates during not monster attack time? Dude, Die Rangering is a full-time job. you got to squeeze it in where you can. And Rio's got a job. Ren's a full-time student. I mean, you know. It's he, a busy life. So they are running around down by the docks, and they see... Wait, wait, where are they? Down by the docks? <laughs> I know, Dave. I know this Crazy. is Crazy. Crazy. Down by the waterfront. I know you guys probably haven't seen every episode of Go Say Sentai Die Ranger. You guys, the rest of the panel, not you, the listener. I'm, I'm sure that you've seen all the episodes with us. And I appreciate your dedication to the show. <laughs> but the only place these clowns ever fight is Doc's Quarry Abandoned Warehouse. Like, that's it. Those are the only places any of these fights ever happen. Sometimes an industrial, like, Park. warehouse, yeah. parkway area with some cranes. There's usually a crane or two. And lots of empty boxes. Abandoned cars. Yeah, also abandoned cars. So they're so down, they're down the by the waterfront. And the one kid, the sad sack ace of diamonds. This is so crazy. He is walking around with his sister. And he is still basically zombied out. He's just following her around like a pet. He's still a card. They have not fixed that. All of the kids that were cars have just been released they're just wandering around and so they're being surrounded by other children like a like a mob of other children normal kids not card kids right card kids these kids have like baseball bats and And tennis rackets if they had access to it they would have pitchforks and torches my real question in all of this was everything else before this a front and now we found the real monsters they are. These kids are terrible. Like, they are seriously. They're just, like, beating on this little kid. Like, the kid. kid's bleeding. You he's see bleeding. him bleeding. Yeah, he's bleeding from the mouth, on the ground. The sister is freaking out. I mean, it is straight Lord of the Flies. And they only stop when Ryu shows up. Like, Ryu shows up. And he's like, hey, stop that. What are you doing? And he, like, pushes the other kids out of the way. There is no indication that they would have stopped anytime soon. I think my favorite part in this, though, did you guys notice the kid on the bike? Like, the card kid on a bike. You see the mob of kids beating up the card kid, and there's this one guy dressed up like a card, like a card kid, riding on the bike, and he kind of wobbles and does this comedic, whoa, and then falls, like, in the background while this is happening. Where was he going? Man, who even knows? So, now, something that would have been lucky temporarily, is that those children would not have actually had the time to crush the skull of the unfortunate (laughs) Ace of Diamonds because he then turns into a playing card. Just like the person is gone, he is now a... It's about an 8.5 by 11 size playing card. And that's it. 
He's and, just a playing card. Now. And then it flies away. And then we see the like cut shots of all the other kids. The same thing is happening. As as they cry for help and beg the gods to know what is happening to them. Right. Well, we don't. They're, they're like, oh, no, what's happening? And then they just turn into cards and then they fly and, away. And in case you were wondering, their gods do not answer. <laughs> so then, like, it cuts and we see Duke Trump. New scene, Duke Trump. He's got all these cards. Like, he's got, like, pretty much a full deck. And he's like, oh, my cute little cards. This is going to be so great. We're going to have fun and play. Yeah, kind of holding them like the deck of cards as a baby, which was really creepy. Yeah, just, again, just doubling down every time. <laughs> Anytime you can. So Ryu and Rin find this tower that he's standing on. There are a couple of fire pits around him. And they say, aha, Goma, we are here to stop you. You know, it's our job. Right. And so they go to Aura Change and he says, ah, ah, ah. And holds the deck of cards, which are children, I will remind you, over the flames. The cards start crying. Yeah. So the kids are conscious throughout this entire thing. They haven't been, like, you know, put into some weird dormant card state. Card state. They're just, they're themselves and are capable of, like, feeling pain and terror, which they do. It's just this moment of like, oh, got some nice cards here. Be a, be a real shame if something happened to them. Right. <laughs> so Rin and Ryu, like, they back off. And then the, uh, we cut back to the hat. Oh, yeah, this freaking hat, man. Let's, let's not forget the hat. So when last we left this hat, it was sitting in the road, right? They don't know they're in the road. They managed to climb up to the brim of the hat. I think this is the first moment. I don't think they know that they're shrunk yet because they climb out and they're like, what? And they're surrounded by giant trucks driving all over the place. One drives right by them. The gust of wind picks up the hat and throws it. This is a bad luck hat because it goes from a road to landing directly on it didn't land a direct- railroad track. It didn't so much land directly on a railroad track as flew over and then the power of magnetism sucked it to the railroad track. <laughs> so they are like trying to climb out of this hat. They want, uh, who is it? One uh, of them. Kazu. Kazu gets okay, to the top. So Kazu gets the, the train top. coming. He's like, guys, oh no. And they, so they're like rocking the hat back and forth. They get the hat off the track. And then it flies to, like, really high. Like, you see, like, a cutaway shot, and it's, like, hat bridge. Like a tall, like a Brooklyn-style bridge. And they're, like, up at the top of it. Because then they're getting attacked by, like, a, a bird, I think? Yeah, it was, I was really curious about this bird. Cause it's, you know, it's, it's a pretty big bird compared to the hat. And it's just kind of, like, blinking the side like it's not trying to go in it's not trying to go in and get them it's just like wonk like against the side of the hat what does it want yeah i got a really distinct impression of malicious intent on the part of the bird because it is relentlessly like trying to knock this hat over and dump them out (laughs) which it does and it's a really weirdly cut scene too because it keeps going back and forth between a hat that is being held up by string and a shot of, like, three dudes sitting inside of what is very obviously a giant prop hat. In addition to that, I think we have several cuts across the city indicating that this bird is just slamming this hat for miles. (laughs) So they cover a lot of distance. So it does eventually knock them out, and they fall, and I actually don't remember what happens next. The dragon. There's a dragon, right? Like, they fall on top of a dragon? That's right. Ruseo saves them. Yeah, from out of nowhere, Ruseo, who is a giant, I will remind you, a giant robot dragon, just appears immediately. You did not see him approach. He's just there now, underneath them, and they land on top of his head and are magically back to size. I like Zero to, explanation. I like to think that maybe he was just watching them in the hat, just laughing for a minute, just waiting. Like, I'm going to see how this plays out before I save them. I'm just going to see how far this bird's going to take it. He doesn't want to go up against the bird. That thing's relentless. So he does. So far, the bird's been the second biggest threat of the episode. So they're back to size. This is another thing about uh, Ghost of Sentai Dairanger, you guys, 
is that there is never any explanation for anything ever unless it is a special attack that is so obvious that in no way would it require any explanation. Yeah. Why did they get back to size? Nah. Who knows? Forget that. What is the Red Ranger doing here with this fire and lightning? Oh, that's his fire and lightning attack. <laughs> right. They're just an expositor comes out and says like, blah, 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 blah. This is the name of his attack in which he uses fire and lightning to destroy the enemy. Oh, yeah. It was really weird. Like out of nowhere, all of a sudden, there's like this baseball announcer telling me exactly what play each ranger is using, how it works. Uh, I think things were labeled. It was it was it was helpful. You're Actually, correct. It was, They're it was totally very, labeled. It was very helpful. I appreciated it. So we cut back to Duke Trump and Rin and Ryu, and he is still threatening the cards with fire. Now, from the sky, a savior appears. Ruseo and the three rangers, right? Shoji, Daigo, Kazu, they're all here to save the day. And Ruseo approaches the problem like Ruseo approaches all problems. Ruseo has one mode, and that mode is breathe fire on it. (laughs) (laughs) Now, a lot of times, this is a good thing to do, right? Like you're fighting Baron String, breathe fire fire on him. The, The key clown is causing troubles, fire away. If Duke Trump is threatening to set these cards, which are human children, on fire, maybe, and listen, I'm not a giant robot dragon. Who are you to tell Ryuseo his business? I am He's not, been doing this for 6,000 years. I'm not a 6,000-year-old giant robot dragon. But it seems to me that perhaps huge couts of flame is not should not be your go-to. And yet... And yet it works. Always does. Always works every time. They never expect it. Okay. So Ryuseo's admittedly surprising gout of flame attack throws Baron Trump off. Duke Trump, sorry. Duke Trump off of his game enough that the Rangers can aura change. So they all do that. And then the fight sort of begins in earnest. Before, like, this is my probably my favorite line in the whole episode. Duke Trump goes... Not fair. You guys are too cool. Like, which I think should be your new tagline. <laughs> Not fair. You guys are too cool. <laughs> Just dude, open the show with that every time. Yeah. And, and this fight is very cool. It's probably one of the best choreographed fights we've seen so far on the show. It is. It's the best choreographed fight we've seen. I think it's definitely the coolest and most imaginative fight we've seen. Because Duke Trump busts out like tarot cards of like four of the four villains that we've seen in the past so he brings back uh we got baron string right baron string we got coin purse demon head whose name i can never remember the lipstick, lipstick songstress. songstress and the key clown right and key clown they're all back and, and they're the illustra- all pretty upset yeah and the illustrations on these cards actually look super cool like they're really neatly done drawings yeah let me tell you again as somebody who has zero familiarity with anything that has gone before this or come after what (laughs) just what okay so yeah here's the thing about the show beth and dave i think i know where you're going with this is that the show as you may know is like at this point 37 years old and when this show was going on it had already been going on for oh gosh 17 years i think we had said earlier i think the 17th year of the show um, and you run out of really obvious monster designs after the first few years. I mean, you have to, because it's a weekly show. There are 50 episodes a year, and so you run out of dragons, and eventually you have to just do strings and coin purses. And we've mentioned this before. Every single monster that we've run across in Die Ranger is just a humanoid monstrous version of something you might find in a lady's purse. It's like a lipstick, your keys, a coin purse, just a piece of string, and now a deck of cards. Well, that is super weird and kind of creepy, actually. Oh, dude, you should wait until we get to the like the current shows, like Shinkenger. That gets bananas. Dude, we're not going to see like a... Like a feminine product monster, are we? I can promise you that we do not. Okay. I just, my heart skipped a beat for a moment when I was, like, I was thinking about, like, they're all monsters of things you see in a lady's purse. I was like, oh, no. (laughs) 
Okay, so he summon. He uses these trump cards to summon four other monsters that we have seen previously. And the fight, like, it's a really cool fight. It's just all the rangers, they kind of square off each ranger versus one of the monsters. And they're just, like, going to town. Yeah, Daigo takes out the key clown. Uh, Kazu goes to fight Baron String. And, okay, here's a great bit about the fight with Kazu and Baron String. You guys might not know this, or you do now because we watched the show. Kazu has weird time control powers. And so what'll happen sometimes is he'll just run in, screw up, get really mad at himself, rewind time, and then just pull out his gun and shoot everybody. You're going to have to watch him because if he ever turns traitor on them, he's going to be unstoppable. That is a crazy amount of power. But yeah, he does. He's straight up Indiana Jones's Baron String, uh, just shoots him in the face. If this happens so often, wouldn't it be easier to just walk in and shoot everybody to begin with? Man, you've you got some things to learn about style, Brian. Yeah, man. How boring would that be? That's not an interesting show. We want to watch Kazi wreck some dudes with like his nine-section staff and drunken-style kung fu. One thing I really liked about this fight that I appreciate is that they, they had little explanations for the puns. So they'd be making puns while they were fighting, and then at the top, there'd be this little explanation for, like, this is funny because blah, blah, blah. Well, that is a, uh, that's a service that the, like, the suburb provides, I think. Speaking of that service that the suburb provides, they happily pointed out that nearly every pun in a sequence was about balls. And as I wrote that down, the Blue Ranger was hit in the face with a basketball. There you go. Yeah, I just want to clarify what what kind of balls. Uh, uh, I have in my notes uh, one of my the lines of my notes is just so many nut shots. <laughs> Children show. That's fair. That's fa- listen. Nut shots are funny when you're a little kid. They're funny when you're an adult. Funny forever. Listen, Wolfman's got nards. Baron Strings got nards. They've all got nards. Right, sorry, man. The lipstick songstress does not have nards. Yeah, dude. America's Honeyest Home Videos was on the air. It's still on the air, and it's basically just nutshots. <laughs> so they managed, but they okay. Moving on, they managed to defeat all the monsters. All the monsters are like over in one spot, and they're like, "Oh, you think you're going to defeat us? Now we're going to get huge!" And they pull out an enlarging bomb. This is what they use, by the way, guys. Like, anytime a monster, like, gets giant, it's because of an enlarging bomb. And the weird thing about this to me is that the rangers are like, what? What's what's going on? They have seen this, like, at least five times before. With these five guys. Yeah, these specific characters have pulled out enlarging, except for Coin Purse Demon Head, have pulled out enlarging bombs of the exact same style, they look the exact same, and use them in the exact same way, and are giant. And for this, for now, the rangers are like really confused and disconcerted but they use the enlarging bomb and the rangers respond in kind by summoning the five kaiden beasts which are their giant robots so the robots show up and this actually since we jumped forward a few episodes this is the first time that we've seen them in the show Dave, yeah what do you think about the robots i'm super excited about those robots man uh they are not i was hoping that they would all be as animated as ryuseo is like, Ryusei, they clearly spent most of the budget on Ryusei. Oh, yeah. I mean... The other ones Ranger. are just... Right. The other ones are just kind of, like, there. You know what I mean? But we do get to see them in action, and they they start off by forming, like, a... Uh, a weird chariot sort of thing? Yeah. Because, like, okay, so Ryusei turns into his, like, person form, and then the other ones, like, just combine into, like, a surfboard, maybe? Like, nah, it's like a chariot. It's like a chariot surfboard. And it's, like, flying around, and they're fighting. And they had really good maneuverability with that. They're dodging bombs and fire. Oh, yeah. And then something crazy happens. Well, they decide that instead of going with chariot mode, they're going to switch over to Megazord mode. Yeah, I don't. There's a name for it, but I didn't catch what it was. Um, But you know what I mean. All five robots become one robot. Uh, That robot has a giant sword and, like, cool looking armor. And the five giant goma monsters look at them and say oh no combining isn't fair yeah they're like combining isn't fair as though this is some sort it's like a team sport like you're not allowed to do that that's not fair they're really whiny about it too like they are stomping around like small children but it turns out it's totally fair because in a heretofore undiscovered ability the goma monsters can do the exact same thing 
but they're not robots, but they combine into one giant thing where, like, the coin purse monster is one of the arms. Yeah, they're ju- it's like a horrifying amalgamation. Like, they just, just become this bizarre together. chimera. Yeah, it's really awful. And, like, but they're all still conscious. Like, they're talking to each other while it's happening. I was blown away by this. It was so, it just caught me so off guard. It's weird. It's grotesque. It's fun. It's inventive. It's a, it's honestly a really cool part of the episode. Yeah, I did not see this coming at all. Because, again, we've seen nothing like this before. And I've watched a lot of Super Sentai. Long story short, fight, fight, fight. They pull out the sword, and they use like some sort of like crazy energy slashy attack, and they kill the monsters. They do the energy slash. They turn around and face the camera. The monster falls down in the background and explodes while it complains about exploding. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. This was totally awesome. Is it the giant robot? Like, he cuts it and then turns around, like, does not wait to see... Like, he doesn't wait to, like, confirm that he's hit and killed the monster. Like, just in a moment of, like, supreme confidence, he's like, cut, turn around, and then he puts his sword away. And sure enough, like, the monster does fall down behind him. It's, like, it's the coolest thing I've ever seen a robot do. In Super Sentai. Can I just say, on the subject of these robots, um, and maybe I'm just displaying my ignorance here of this genre of TV, but it really looked like what they did there was just took a knockoff brand Optimus Prime and, I don't know, like maybe painted some Dyranger colors on parts of it. Um, but, like, it did. It was like the, it was like the Megablocks version of Optimus Prime. That's, like, the, the way that it looked to me. It was very off-putting, actually. Well, sweetie, you know I love you. And I suppose, possibly, to the untrained eye there could have been some vague resemblance to Optimus Prime. But allow me to assure you that aside from the fact that they are both anthroform robots, there's no resemblance to to Optimus Prime. Sure, honey. That's... Sure. Yeah, you're totally right. I am... Listen, I am absolutely right. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you can say that in a way that makes it sound as though you're sort of, like, teasing me for knowing the difference. I have no shame in that. Um, and that's it. That's basically the end of the episode. Yeah, that's they're done. The uh, kids are fine. The monsters have exploded. The kids all turn back into kids, and the die rangers like transform back into their non powered up forms and are hanging out with the sad sack kid and his precocious sister. Right, and like, and then they play leapfrog, and that's the end of the episode. Uh, no, it's not the end of the episode. They call it leap horse. Yeah, which is also strange to me. I can't imagine a game where horses jump over each other, but... Man, I don't even know. Although you do see the rangers are just like hanging out with these kids. So maybe they don't have secret identities. Maybe they just like hang out with kids all day when they're not at work. And don't notice when they're all getting captured. Yeah, well, again, we've determined that the rangers are not necessarily like actually super great at their job. That's a question I had for you guys since I haven't seen any other episodes of this is it normal for them at the end of the episode to turn to the camera and say hey thanks for coming along and watching our adventure you no cool. no it was it was no totally, it is it not was this weird moment the episode's about to be over everyone else is running on down to the beach and ryu turns to the camera and says hey guys thanks for watching we're gonna keep fighting so just cheer us on okay at that point i thought he was going to take off his shoe like take off his slippers put on his shoes and retire his red ranger cardigan and it was an episode of mr rogers <laughs> nope no and this has never happened before and i'm going to go ahead and guess will never happen again uh yeah but it was this weird moment like listen guys we've all had a lot of fun today but here are my final thoughts <laughs> take care of yourselves and each other and never ever throw rock uh, and that's it. That's the yeah, end of the episode. The so, let's go around the circle. Um, what were your high points? Um, not fair. You guys are too cool. That was <laughs> definitely my favorite. I thought you were about to say, I had like just a very strange moment where you were like, not fair. You guys are too cool. Where you were just like, it's not fair that I have been put on the spot to go first. You guys are too cool. You, like somebody else should have gone in front of me. And I was like, Tom, no, I'm sure your comments are going to be great. 
But that was a really great moment of the episode. It was, yeah, it was it also is, a great moment of the episode. That that exact thing doesn't always happen, but it's not the first time that the monster has reacted to the aura change. It just was like, ah, oh, dang, that was really cool, you guys. Like, one like, time he stopped, he told them to stop being show-offs. Right. <laughs> I, I had forgotten about that. Uh, okay, so, Beth, uh, high point of the episode for you. Gosh, um, I don't know if I could exactly call it a high point, but I would say I, you know, I just spent 25 minutes confronting all of my deepest childhood fears about like creepy children's television hosts, because uh, that's pretty. I, that guy was pretty much like my nightmare version of Captain Kangaroo and the Mad Hatter, kind of combined into one. What do you like? Do you feel like a better, stronger person having done that? Uh, like, no, like I feel like, style. I feel like I'm probably going to have nightmares tonight, okay. actually. Bummer. Beth, real quick, you could have saved that one for low points. <laughs> yeah, that would have been a much oh, better I place Oh, I didn't realize that. that there were low points. I didn't know that was going to be a thing. All right, Brian, high points. For me, a high point, uh, just from a watchability standpoint, is evil child mob. <laughs> I I mean, it's a low point for humanity, but for the episode, it's pretty great. Uh, me, personally, I, I think my favorite spot was that we finally got to see the other Kaiden beasts. I've been waiting. I've been waiting for this moment, you guys. I've, I've been wanting these giant robots, and they finally delivered, and so now I've got giant robots. I do have one tiny beef, though, is that the robot, to me at least, looks very Japanese. Like a sword looks kind of katana-y, and he's got like a head plume, sort of like a samurai-looking thing. And it's supposed to be a Chinese-themed show. They're doing kung fu, it's Chinese kaiden beasts, all of this stuff. And it, it, it struck a discordant note with me, man. I wanted it to be, it should have been like a crazy like monk, kung fu monk thing. That would have been so much better. Yeah, but then he wouldn't have had a giant sword. The giant sword is key. Monks can use a giant... So there's kung fu swords, right? I, I mean, I've seen a fair amount of episodes of Power Rangers, and every time Megazord is only fighting with his fists, Megazord gets rocked. I'm just, I'm just saying. I think it could have been a little more Chinese. I have no idea what Chinese armor looks like, so I am just going to assume that you're right. Okay, so Matt, high point for you. High point for me was the giant combined Goa monster. Oh, yeah. Where all five of them become one huge chimera beast. Um, it was this really, it was a cool looking monster. It was a great effect. It was a really inventive thing to do for the fight. I've, I've never seen anything like it. I, I just really can't speak highly enough about it. I thought it was a really fun moment in the episode, like a legitimately great moment. Yeah, totally, totally true. Like, really, really neat costumes. Like, normally we spend the show kind of ragging on Die Ranger just because it's, like, weird and goofy. But this was a really cool moment. Yeah, every once in a while they pull something out, and I am legit impressed. And that was one of them. Okay, uh, low points. Beth, um, now would be a good time for your terror stories. Right, well, no, no. I mean, my high point really was facing my fear. Like, it was a, it was a delightfully terrifying Monster. No, I think my low point for the episode was what the heck, all of those kids beating up that poor sad sack nerd. Like seriously, it was it was upsetting. Brian, seeing as Beth has just turned your high point into her low point, what's your low point? Is it going to be facing your fears? <laughs> <laughs> no, unfortunately. I will have to say the low point for me was the fact that we had heart is blood, spade is the devil, diamond is fear, club is despair, and nothing from that. I know. That was such a perfect setup. I, it was great. I'm, I'm going to use it for things later. <laughs> anything. Anything. Nothing. Yeah. Just, just zombified children. This is another thing you'll see in Die Ranger. They will say something one time and then... Never reference it. Yeah, it just disappears into the ether. It's like the writers put something down and then kind of forgot that they had said it and then just kind of move on from there. Uh, okay, so Brian, low point. Huge missed opportunity with that creepy thing. Tom, low points. That's exactly what I was going to say. Uh, you got to pick yeah. something. You got to no, pick no, something no, new now. Keep it. That, You're no, right. That that was that was the worst. It was so. It was oh, it was so promising. No, I guess if I because they were both both of the things previously mentioned were things that I that I was very bummed out about. I don't know. Maybe that guy's hair. <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't think you even need to specify which guy because all of them. All the guys in the hair. <laughs> and one one thing I never did bring up, that really creepy mustache, but that's implied. Okay, so uh, Dave, what was your low point? I think for my low point, it's got to be Duke Trump like choke-humping that kid. <laughs> like he's losing it concentration and just immediately... Is like murdering a child. So I was like, guy, oh man, Dire. That was just a weird moment for Die Ranger. Normally, like something is about to happen to the kids, but you've never, we haven't actually seen yet, someone actively committing violence upon, like bodily violence on a child. Like you've stolen their souls and all sorts of other stuff. This is the first time you actually see a kid getting like choked out by a grown man. Well, and I think what was particularly disturbing about it, and I was trying to find a delicate way to describe this before, and just choke choke humping was about as accurate at least as it gets, is that when I said he was jumping up and down on the kid, what I did not really thoroughly explain was that he sat down on the kid before he started jumping up and down. So he's like frog hopping on this kid but the kid is wearing a giant card costume it's like eight inches thick and sort of cushiony it looks like so he really he is like sitting on this kid's pelvis like jumping up and down and choking him maybe he's just really bad at leap horse (laughs) (laughs) all right all right matt Matt, low point uh, of the episode for you. My low point is another missed opportunity. I wanted more attack bird. That scene could have gone on for another twenty minutes, and I would have loved every second of that of that hat just flying around Tokyo, getting into trouble, <laughs> just like obviously stuffed dead bird. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, anybody have any more final thoughts? Man, I'm tapped. I I kind of can't believe that I agreed to let you spend so much of your personal time on this project. It, was, um, it <laughs> this is both, project is amazing. It is it is amazing in so many ways. Not yeah. not all of them good, but I, it's, it's for the people, sweetie. The people need us. <laughs> and unlike the Die Rangers, we respond in a timely fashion. <laughs> Okay, uh, well, that's going to do it for another episode of Live and Let Die Ranger. Thanks once again for our special guests for being here. Before we finish up, I'd just like to remind you that you can email the show at supersentaibrothers at gmail.com. And if you want to get any updates on future episodes or if you want to check out the things we mentioned on the show, we're on Twitter at supersentaibros. If you have found the show via iTunes, please uh, rate the show, review it, give us five stars. Shining in the iTunes review section... There are five stars, and you should click on all of them. (laughs) Once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. I'm Brian. I'm Tom. And I'm Beth. And we will see you next week.